right, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to John chapter 15. John chapter 15 in the Word of God. And we're in a series entitled Greatest Love. Greatest Love. And uh, this morning I want to talk to you. Excuse me, we're uh, in a series entitled Love Unveiled. Okay, Love Unveiled. And this morning I want to talk to you about the greatest love. The greatest love. And I take this, uh, uh, take this title right from Scripture. Okay, John chapter 15 and verse 12. The Bible says, I command you to love each other in the same way that I have loved you or that I love you. He's speaking of, Jesus is speaking here. It says, and here is how to measure it. The greatest love is shown when people lay down their lives for their friends. So scripture's teaching us this, Jesus speaking to us right here. He said, the way to measure the greatest love, think about that. The way to measure the greatest love is shown when people lay down their lives for their friends. So point number one this morning, okay, love calls us to sacrifice. Everybody say sacrifice. If you have children, okay, or you have a niece or you have a nephew, you've got family of some sort, you know what sacrifice is. You know what sacrifice takes. Amen. Sometimes our kids don't understand the sacrifice that we give unto them, all right? They, they don't see the sacrifice until they're, they're, they're dealing with a situation, then they kind of realize, man, my mom and dad are really paying the price, so they've really helped me in this area, or they've really encouraged me along. In John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, we see that love calls us to sacrifice when Scripture tells us God so loved the, uh, he loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. So God gave to us, amen, he sacrificed for us and Jesus sacrificed for us. Verse 17, God sent his son into the world not to judge the world or to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Amen. Listen, if Jesus thinks there's hope for humanity... We should believe in that hope too. Come on, somebody. If he thinks that there's hope, that God is able to minister to somebody's heart, he's able to change somebody's life, then we ought to believe the very same thing. And Jesus made the first choice. His choice was to love. His choice was to die for us, to invite us to live with him forever. We couldn't make a choice if Jesus hadn't already made a choice. We wouldn't have an option, amen. We would be destined, each of us, destined for hell, amen, destined for the grave, and then destined for hell. But because of Jesus, Jesus, he made this, he made this choice. Now we get to make the next choice, to accept or reject his offer. Somebody say a good amen right there. I get to accept his offer, or I get to reject it. And without Christ's sacrifice, without God's love, there would be no eternal life to receive. If you've ever sat around thinking or considering the world that God loved, think about this for just a second. It wasn't the beautiful, pure, perfect, sinless world that God had created, amen, but a world in rebellion against him. It was a world that hated him. A world whose beauty had become marred by the curse of sin. We, we ask ourselves, why would somebody be in a crowd in Kansas City and start shooting people, okay? To, to lay it all back onto mankind because of sin. 
Because we have the right to make decisions and we have the right to make choices. God didn't make us robots. He gave us free will. And sometimes people don't choose their free will right. Amen. And we need to help them. We need to encourage them along. We need to pray for them. This this world that God loved, a world full of greed, a world full of strife, a world full of hatred and confusion and dissension and war. Scripture says, yet God loves it. Here's the question. Is that how you love is that how you love? Or is it based solely upon, uh, yeah, hey, this guy made a wrong decision. He's out. He's off, to, he's, off to, he's, he's off my love list. Come on, somebody. You guys remember the old story where the guy, he said, hey, you're out of my circle. You know, we got this, we got this friend triangle. I can't remember the name of the movie right now, but we got, this, we got this friend triangle. And if you do me wrong, you're out of the triangle. You're out of the list. You're out of the family, so to speak, okay? And is that how you love? Mankind's fall away from God was deliberate. Mankind's fall away from God was willful. And there was nothing there that was to provoke God's love. Our condition was not of God's doing. Amen. And so God was under no obligation to intervene. He was under no necessity to intercede, yet he was moved and he was compelled toward love. And so he acted, the scripture says. Love must be measured by the obstacles that it overcomes. Come on, somebody. If you've ever loved someone, there's obstacles that you will face. There's challenges that you will face. Well, God so loved the world that he gave his one, his only son. He gave his most prized and precious possession. Amen. Jesus so loved the world that he laid down his life for all of mankind. Think about this. He was mocked. He was despised. He was rejected. He was ridiculed. He was disbelieved and crucified by the very humanity he came to rescue. Amen. We don't look at somebody who's selfish and conceited, who abandons others and say, wow, what a love they have for others. Amen. What an instrument of God's generosity. What an instrument of God's purpose and compassion. No, we, we don't say that. We look at those who are serving others and loving others and laying down their life for the cause of God. Look at Philippians chapter 2, verse 7 in the scripture. It said, Jesus gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave, yet he was a king. Amen. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and he died a criminal's death on the cross. Amen. So love, therefore, must be measured by its gifts. Amen. God gave Jesus to suffer and die for mankind. I could understand God giving his son a crown to wear, but not a crown of thorns. I, I, I could relate to God saying, hey, you know what? I want Jesus to come to live a life of honor, but not live a perfect life so he could be humanity's sacrifice. 
I could conceive of God giving his son to reign as a king, but to give him as an atonement for our sin, to give him as an atonement, uh, as a blood offering for us sinful people. Well, scripture says that Jesus lived and gave unto his uh, gave unto us his perfect life of sacrifice. Amen. He, he, he walked in the surrender. He walked in the suffering. All, you know what for? To wear my shame. All to wear my guilt. All to wear my abandonment. All to wear my insecurities and my disappointment, praise God. And then he tells us. He has the audacity. Come on, somebody. Jesus has the audacity to tell us, love one another as I've loved you. It's a call to walk in God's greatest love. And biblical love involves more than mere emotions and personal, sac- uh, personal preferences. Amen. Listen to this. Love is driven by sacrifice for the welfare of others. When I think about doing something for my wife and children, I'm not burdened by that something. When I, when I think about doing something for someone that I love, I'm not burdened by that. When I think of having to do that, and I don't like that individual, hello, I get a little bit frustrated. I can get a little bit impatient. I can get to a space where I can say to myself, why am I doing this? They don't even care. They don't even pay attention. Come on, somebody. Amen. And the greatest, the this, this sacrifice that, that's driven by love, amen, the greatest expression of love is to lay down one's life for those around and about you, amen. Jesus said for our friends, and if he calls us friends, then we should call those around and about us friends as well. That's the kind of Jesus modeled for each and every one of us to live like. Point number two, love calls us to commitment. Amen. I know in this day and age and hour, you don't need a commitment. You just need a prenup. Hello? As long as I just kind of make sure that just in case she leaves me, just in case she abandons me, I've kind of written it all up. She can't take all of my riches, my fame, and my fortune. Hello? Amen. We kind of got a prenup mindset. That's not what love is about. Love calls us to commitment. In our very confused, very selfish, very privileged lifestyles, many people would rather move on than actually move forward. Amen? Hey, you know, my washer and dryer only lasted five years. I've had washing machines and dryers last 20 and 25 years. Come on, somebody. Amen? But it seems like things just keep getting less worth. And less worth. Hey, my, my washer only lasted five years. What, what should I do with it? You bring in the washing machine guy. He says it's going to cost you $700 to fix it. But a new one's only five. He said, I'm telling you, buy a new one. Throw the old one away. That's the way people treat relationships. That's the way they treat their relationship with their father or a friend or, or a teacher at school or a parent or, or a marriage. Amen. And they would rather move on to what they believe in the moment is bigger, or what they believe in the moment is better than to stay and fight through some difficulties, stay and fight through some disagreements, stay and fight through some disappointments. Come on, somebody. My wife and I will be married this September 30 years. 30 years, amen? Pastor Mike, do you guys ever fight? All the time. 
Amen? But we know how to fight. We know how to fight fair. We know how to fight in a loving manner. We know how to fight, not, not, by, not by challenging one another, saying, hey, I'm going to fight, I'm going to win this fight, and I'm going to forever stomp on you. That's not how to handle that. Come on, somebody. Why would I treat my wife that way? This is the, the, the queen of my heart. This is God's child that he's given unto me, this queen that he's given unto me. I should be treating her like a queen. Amen. Ladies, I was looking for a, little, a few more amens, but that's okay. What if Jesus would have decided to keep his life rather than lay it down for you? What if love was only about going a few steps instead of going the distance? Amen. We got to learn to go the distance. Jesus did the unpopular that he might accomplish the unforgettable. Amen. Jesus did the impossible to achieve the inconceivable. Jesus made the commitment to live for others. He committed to sacrifice. He committed to justice. He committed to commitment. Amen. He committed to rescue. This is who he is. This is what he is. Listen, when you make a commitment to give something to someone... It's a process that you can back out of at any moment. Amen? You, you can say, hey, listen, I've got an extra car over here. And i got a friend of mine that needs a car. I'm going to give them this car. But at any moment through the process, you could just say, hey, I think I'm not going to do this. They made me mad. They hurt my feelings. They don't really appreciate it. I'm going to keep my car. Right? So I don't really have to do what I've said that I'm going to do. But that's not the heart nor the design of the committed. The committed say to themselves, it doesn't matter if they hurt me. It doesn't matter if they disagree. It doesn't matter if they're going to challenge me in this space. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bless them anyways. Think about it like this. If I choose to go in and give blood, okay, the, the gift that gives life. Come on, somebody. You can get a free T-shirt every now and again, right? You get a sticker. Okay, hopefully a, a, a free snack. Okay, you got to eat the snacks, okay? Otherwise, if you, if you leave out of there without eating some snacks, you might pass out driving down the road. Come on. Amen. And then the people who uh, took your blood are going to be responsible because you're out there driving without some electrolytes and uh, some food back in your, in your body, right? But if I choose to go in and give blood to save lives, I don't complain when I have to make an appointment. I don't complain when I got to fill out paperwork. I don't complain when I have to show up on time. Amen. I don't retaliate when I get a finger prick. When they give me a needle stick or when it comes, uh, when it seems to be taking longer than usual, amen, I, I get in there and I want to get in and out. And they're like, hey, if you squeeze the, uh, the ball or whatever they give you, the, the little heart, it's usually like a little heart, you know, whatever, you're kind of squeezing that. If you squeeze that, it, it, things will go a little faster. So I'm like this. Let's go, man. Let me get out of here, right? Amen. Could you hit both veins real quick so I can get move on, you know? Amen. I don't get in the middle of the gift. And decide I've given enough. I've suffered enough. I've sacrificed enough so I'm going to leave now. There's a process to walk through. And a process to surrender to. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 21. It says, for God called you to do good. Look at it. Even if it means suffering. Just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example. And you must follow in his steps, 
He never sinned nor deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God who always judges fairly. Look at me, look at me. Life's not fair, but God is just. Hello? Life's not fair, but God is just. He's just in this space. And then it says this in verse 24. Jesus personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. And by his wounds, you are healed. I want to walk in the healing power of God, both in salvation, both in eternity, and on the face of this planet. Come on, somebody. And scripture says I can do both. I believe and I honor God and I walk in that space. And so I, as a potential donor of blood, must consider the possibility of adverse health effects after a donation. Huh? Pastor Mike, can you help me move a couch? I have to consider the adverse effects after a donation. Hey, will you help me hang sheetrock at my house? I got to consider the adverse effects. Come on, somebody. Of my body after a donation. Hello? You, you give a gift financially. You got to consider the adverse effects of your gift. Amen. And when you make this commitment, you, you got to think about that. As, as I'm, I look at these adverse health effects after a donation, as well as the potential to save the life of the recipient who may even be a loved one. If I'm giving blood, right? I'm giving blood, but what donation? What donation does it need to be that I could affect the life of someone around and about me? That's the donation I'm talking about. That's the gift I'm talking about. What is it? Is it the gift of forgiveness? Is it the gift of mercy? Is it a gift of grace? Is it a gift of finance? Is it a gift of a hug? Come on, somebody. Is it a gift of encouragement? Is it the gift of, hey, I need, to, I, I need to strengthen those around and about me. And when you make a commitment, you're dedicated, you're, you've dedicated yourself to a cause. You're now engaged and you're obligated to follow through. Why? Because, because we follow our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who scripture names him a finisher. Names him a finisher. Come on, somebody. So when I make a commitment... I need to have that mindset that I'm going to finish. Galatians chapter 1 verse 4, Jesus gave his life for our sins just as God our Father planned. In order, look at this, in order to rescue us from this evil world in which we live. Pastor Mike, what do you think about the shooting? What do you think about all the war? What do you think about the rumors of war? What do you think about all these things? I think God has wanted to rescue his people, all people. Red people, white people, black people, yellow people, all people. God wants to rescue people. Come on, somebody. And he planned it a long, long time ago to rescue us from the evil in which we live. Now, we're going to be here for a short time. We understand that. But I'm going to be in a place called eternity forever. I'm preparing my heart. I'm preparing my life. And I'm going to worship God until I get to the other side. Come on, somebody. Then I'm going to worship him for an eternity. And Jesus Christ's commitment, think about this, is still altering lives. Amen? His love is still affecting the world. 
His passion is contagious and his forgiveness is relentless. And Jesus is the perfect example of someone enduring unjust suffering since he alone is sinless, Scripture says. And rather than returning evil for evil, he entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. He entrusted himself, God, I trust that you're going to handle this. When those soldiers were tearing out his beard on his face, he said, God, I trust that you're going to handle this. Scripture says, vengeance is mine. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. That's what Scripture teaches us. So we leave vengeance in the hands of God. Come on, somebody. Amen. And we pray. We say, God, I, I know that you've got this. You've got this covered. And rather than returning this evil for evil, Jesus laid down his life. He turned the other cheek. And look at Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9. It said, it said so let's not get tired of doing what is good. You ever get tired of doing what's good? You ever get tired of it? Sick and tired of it? Come on, somebody. I'm sick of this. But you do it again. And you do it again. And you do it. I, I'm tired of this. What Right here it says that just the right time. We will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Praise God. And I think about that because I planted seed. Scripture says seed, time, and harvest. It takes seeds, time to grow up. It takes seeds, time to produce. So I've planted all this seed. Come on, somebody. Now I've got to wait in the process of time. It's got to have the right amount of sunshine and water and all of these great things, vitamin D. And then finally, I'm going to reap a harvest. And Scripture says, I will reap the harvest if I don't stop doing what is good. This is about commitment. Come on, somebody. This is about fighting and seeing the battle through to victory. So when you have a fight with your wife, amen? Pastor Mark, I want to see the battle through to victory. I'm not talking about that. But see your marriage. Come on, somebody. See your marriage through to victory. See your relationship through to victory. Come on, somebody. And finally, love calls us to compassion. The definition of compassion is a feeling of deep Sympathy and sorrow for another who is hurting, who's in pain, or has misfortune, and is accompanied by, okay? So you can have the feeling, amen, but compassion is also doing something about it. Empathy would be, I just have the feeling. Hello? Compassion is, I have the feeling, and now I'm moved to do something about it. Praise God. So, Compassion, you're, you, you, somebody's got this misfortune that's hurting, this pain. It's accompanied by a strong desire to help the suffering. Amen. Do you have a strong desire to help the suffering of others? Listen to me. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit on the inside of you saying, hey, you need to, you need to develop that strong desire and keep moving that strong desire forward because Jesus, the scripture says, and the Holy Spirit fill us with compassion. And not only did Jesus have compassion and heal many people from physical suffering, he also showed the greatest compassion in all of mankind and all of the world when he died on the cross for our sins. He died in our place. What should have been yours to wear for, a, for an eternity 
What should have been yours to wear time after time? What should have been yours to wear on this earth? The punishment and the guilt and the shame of sin. He died on the cross to forgive you from. Amen. Christ was overwhelmed with a passion to help the suffering. Amen. To alleviate the angst. To relieve those who were caught in impossibility. Hallelujah. You ever been caught in impossibility? Jesus is there. He wants to minister to your heart. He wants to pull you from that space. Amen. And so love is the decision to compassionately, to righteously, to responsibly, and sacrificially seek the well-being of another. Amen. And you can love people whom you may not necessarily like because love is not dependent on your feelings. That's why Jesus could command us in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 44. He says, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Amen. We don't even know what real persecution is in this day and age and hour. We think somebody disagrees with us on social media platform and we're going through persecution. Okay. Let me tell you real quick what persecution looks like. Brad and Kelly Russ just had one of their ministry leaders, one of, one of, their, uh, one of their missionaries on the field with them. Brad and Kelly was just with us, our, our missionaries to Zambia. They just had one of their leaders. He, he, he was driving and he accidentally hit a drunk man on a, on a bike, okay? The drunk man on a bike. And he, he got the guy up. There was no problems. There was no issues. They, they, they checked him out. There was no medical issues, okay? And all of a sudden, that tribe of people gathered around this young man and begin to beat him within an inch of his life with a stick. That's persecution. Come on, can you hear what I'm saying? That's persecution. They're, they're now raising funds uh, for him. They've already got some funds. It's already come in, and we're, we're blessing them. Uh, we're we're going to be able to, to bless them, not because we gave the funds, but just coming through Hope City Church so we can bless them with the medical ability to help this guy with his medical expenses. That's persecution. Amen. You, you hurt this man, he's, a, he's in our team, he's in our tribe, he's one of our people, amen, and we don't like your God, we don't like the th- anything about you. Listen, it, Jesus said in, in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 47, if you're only kind to your friends, how are you different than anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. It's not always easy to show compassion, especially when we feel like the person deserves their adversities. Huh? They deserve that. Do you, do you know what they did? They deserve that. Come on, somebody. They deserve that. Compassion is a true mark of Christian character. God tells us in Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, to clothe ourselves with compassion. Remember, compassion is the feeling and the sense, and the passion, and the desire to do something about it. Amen? It says, later in verse 14, it says, above all else, clothe yourselves with love. So he tells us to clothe ourselves with compassion, and to clothe ourselves with love. And according to James chapter 5, as the worship team comes, verse 11, God is full of compassion and full of mercy. I know the world would like you would like you to think that he's full of judgment, he's full of criticism, he's full of hate, 
He's full of angst. He's full of frustration for you. Okay? The scripture says God is full of compassion and mercy. Amen. And he's full of love. This is who our God is. Amen. Romans chapter 5 and verse 8 commands it. it. It encourages us. It says God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. So God showed us his love. God demonstrated his love. Jesus showed his love. Jesus demonstrated his love by dying for us on the cross. The scripture says a criminal's death. And the Holy Spirit shows us. He demonstrates his love. He demonstrates his patience. He demonstrates his kindness, his compassion, and his mercy. And so each and every one of us, we are to go and show. We are to go and demonstrate. Amen. So that the world can see how Jesus has changed your life. That's real life change. When people see it, they they see it in you. You go and you show. And you demonstrate the love of God, the mercy of God, the grace of God, the compassion of God. And each and every one of us have experienced man's ruin entirely of himself, yet man's salvation entirely of God. I want to tell you something this morning. It's easier for an individual to be saved than to be lost. When we're talking about having a relationship with God. It's easier for somebody to be saved than it is for them to be lost. It's easier for them to go to that place called heaven than it is for them to go to that place called hell. Can you hear what I'm saying to you this morning? To be saved, you simply believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? You call upon his name. Scripture says you call upon his name and you can be saved. You accept his love. You accept his blood as your sacrifice and you believe in him. Amen? You believe in him. You believe in Jesus Christ. You confess your sin and you claim your rebellion before God. God, I'm sorry. Forgive me. I was a sinner. I am a sinner. Now to be lost or away from God. Think about this. You have to reject this love. Amen? Over. Look at me. Over and over and over and over again. you got to reject the love of God. Amen? you got to reject the warnings. you got to reject the pleadings. you got to reject those who are showing you compassion. you got to reject the drawing of the Holy Spirit that says, come to me. All you who are labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You got to trample underfoot the sufferings and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. You must count the blood of Jesus Christ's covenant unholy, unworthy, unable to cover your sin. Pastor Mike, you don't know how bad I've been. Listen, Jesus has saved worse than you. Amen. He saved criminals. Listen, Pastor Mike, I'm a criminal. He saved criminals worse than you. Amen. And you have to think about that. You must fight and rebel against God's love over and over and over again. And the scripture says all, Romans chapter 10 verse 13, all who have called upon the name of the Lord Jesus shall be saved. So simple, a child can grasp a hold of it. So available that all may come. There's no price to pay. There's no intellectual level to attain. There's no successful height to achieve.
I want to tell you that God did not wait until the world turned to him for help. He offered it before we were ever even ready to hear it. He offered his love. He provided a rescue while we were unaware, uncaring, unrighteous, and unable. My question to you this morning is, have you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you called upon his name to save you? Because scripture says in Psalm 51, he says, here's how you do it. Have mercy on me, God. Amen. Because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. Has nothing to do, Ryan, with what I've done. Has everything to do with what God has accomplished, what Jesus has accomplished, what Jesus has laid down for us, what God has prepared for those who love him. Amen. Would you stand with me all over the building this morning? As you bow your heads for just a moment, you close your eyes. God, we reverence you. God, we honor you today, God, because of your love, because of your grace, because of your mercy, God. I'm not worthy, God, but your blood makes me worthy. I'm unable today, Father God, but your love makes it able. God, I was dealing with an impossibility, God, in my sin and my frustration and my fears. God, I've sinned against you, Father. I need compassion, God. I need mercy. You said, God, if I would call upon your name, you would blot out my sins and you would forgive me and you would pour out not judgment, not condemnation, not hate and ridicule, but you would pour out your love and you would pour out your forgiveness and you would pour out your mercy and you would pour out your grace, God. That is a love that's been unveiled to each and every heart and each and every life. If you say, Pastor, I don't know Jesus as my Lord and Savior, will you just slip your hand up? Just slip your hand up right here, right now. Just say, Pastor, that's me. I don't know him. I've never called upon the name of Jesus. God bless you, young lady. Anyone else this morning? Pastor, that's me. I, I, I need to say yes to Jesus. That's me. Anyone else? I, I want to wait just one more moment. Anyone else? That's me, Pastor. I, I need to call upon the name of Jesus. I need to right the wrongs of my heart and right the wrongs of my life today. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the appointed time. Anyone else this morning? Would you pray with me all over the building this morning? The Bible says that as we call upon the name of the Lord Jesus that we can be saved. We believe that he came, that he died, that he re was resurrected from the dead. Amen. He shed his blood for each and every one of us that we could be saved. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you for this moment in time where your grace and your mercy and your love is still being poured out upon all people. I receive that grace today. I receive that mercy today. I receive that forgiveness today by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. I believe that he came, that he died, and that he rose again from the dead for my salvation so that he could be my savior. And I receive him as my savior, and I receive him as my Lord today. In Jesus' name, I praise you. And everybody said, 
Amen. Can we give God a hand clap of praise in the house? God, I'm so thankful, Father. I'm so thankful, God. I'm so thankful today, God, Lord, that you said even one, God, that even if one, God, would say yes to you today, God, that all of heaven would rejoice and all of heaven would celebrate, that all of heaven, God, Lord, is having a celebration and a party right now, God. And I'm so thankful, God, for your grace. I'm so thankful for your love. I'm so thankful for your mercy today, God. We bless you today, God, and we praise you for it. In Christ's wonderful and powerful name. Everybody say a good amen. Can you do it? Praise God, praise God, praise God. God is so good to us. He's so good to us. I can't wait to share.